All right, folks, and we are back sooner than you may have expected, maybe even sooner than you would have wanted, but we are back because it is the four-year World Cup cycle in full force, and we just feel like it is worth the extra coverage, it is worth the extra content. We did our Big Picture World Cup preview pod uh, with Cody on Friday, and now we want to do a deep dive on the U.S., men's national team our beloved stars and stripes are on the boys in blue is actually a nickname of like three other actual world cup teams we can't call them that but they are the stars and stripes and do we have a nickname yet well technically they do have nickname i was actually reading a whole article about this every every international team has a nickname and the nickname of the u.s team is the stars and stripes so oh great is it the best no but it's no it's passable germany's team is just called the team so we've done better than that (laughs) um uh, we have brought in another layman expert, an absolute enthusiast of the fam. We have brought in, we've went, we've gone West Coast for this one. We are bringing in Mr. Braylon Oliver. Welcome from, in, Bray. Uh, from Washington hey. State. Braylon, Happy to be hello here. to the fans. Hello. Hello, fans. Hello, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry, that, I think Sherry's got to get a shout out in every episode. It's, a, it's an absolute must. Sherry's listened to more of these podcasts than my wife has, so she deserves a shout out. She represents a large portion of our female listenership. Yes. (laughs) Um, So we love it. We love the engagement. We love the following. We'll take all the we'll take all the consumers we can at this point. So Braylon, you are a huge fan of the the U.S. men's national team, soccer in general, but you have a particular affinity for the U.S. men's team. Um, You followed a lot of their journeys. And I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself little bit how you kind of got into watching you know football and um we'll kind of go from there uh first off i'm so honored to be on this podcast thank you very much and the fact that you guys are doing two back-to-back soccer podcasts is a very big deal this is i feel like we're record-breaking records that don't exist yet um i grew up playing the beautiful game of soccer uh and was even played some high level soccer Myself, no big deal, but, you know, was in the U.S. national system at a young age, at the very bottom, didn't go anywhere, didn't do anything special. But this sums up my uh, American Stars and Bars USMNT fanhood. In 2017, when we lost to Trinidad and Tobago to not qualify, I cried. And I I actually sat in front of my TV and I said out loud, I called a friend and I said, this is the worst day in American soccer history. This is going to set the sport back in America by leaps and bounds. And, uh, and here we are now, however many years later. What is that, five? I can do math. And we are, we are on the cuspice. We are right on the, the doorstep we're so, we're of We're so excited. We are Cup. just melding words together to show our enthusiasm. We are. We love, I, we love I am so excited. I've been waiting a long time for this, especially because this team is so young and exciting, and um, we could actually maybe do something, maybe kind yeah, of. Yeah, it, it's interesting that you say, I mean, we can kind of start here. It's interesting you said when uh, when you watched them lose to Trinidad and Tobago, for those that don't remember, they really they had to win one game against oh, I think they had to do they just have to tie? I don't even think they had to win. I think they just Yeah, had to it just tie. was a draw. They just, they just had, had a draw. To tie one of the worst teams in the world. Like the if, worst. If, the, <laughs> some might argue the worst team in the world. And oh my gosh. They they lost that game to not qualify for the World Cup. It was an abject failure in like 
as an organization. And it's funny that you said that you said this is going to set American soccer back. And it, and you could almost argue that it actually propelled it forward. It forced so much change and it forced such a changing of the guard, particularly in the players and who they're going to start looking for going forward that you could, you could argue we, you know, soccer isn't in the position that it's in at this world cup without that failure. So talk to us a little bit about the makeup of this team, how different it is to your kind of average world cup team to us teams of the past. Talk to us a little bit about just kind of the overall makeup of this U S team as we're heading into the first game, we're going to be releasing this Sunday night and the first game is going to be Monday uh, against Wales. So we're trying to get you prepped for what to know about this U S team. Yes. So my goal is, as you listen to this on Sunday night, right as it comes out, that you wake up Monday morning feeling pumped. Um, the makeup of this Let's team is a, is a little unique. Um, it's actually very unique, one in the sense of let's throw out some obvious stats. This is uh, the youngest roster going to the World Cup. 23.5 years old is the average age. Um, and I think, Jesse, you were saying the average age of World Cup rosters are usually 28, 29. They're more traditionally older aged um, rosters. So in the past, let's kind of go back just a little bit to early 2000s. U.S. men's national team was basically... MLS, which is the American Club Soccer League. You guys did a great breakdown of the EPL just recently. Um, but it was essentially an MLS Shout All-Star out Nashville team. SC. Shout, shout out Nashville, which has a couple players on the... Uh, there's at least one that made the, the final the final cut roster, right? Yes, two, I believe. Shaq so Moore as well. The, okay, yeah. Um, but it has been, in the past... Uh, American soccer players didn't play really outside of the the MLS. So that was our main pool was American soccer clubs, uh, which was not always the best. Um, Then we did this hard kind of turn, specifically in the 2014 World Cup, where we started looking at uh, players who weren't necessarily American born, but could qualify as an American player. So we started pulling players from that were German born kind of all over the place. Was that something that we never like attempted to do do before where we'd like, you know, taking so much pride in them being truly homegrown? Like why the shift there? Uh, it was our manager. The, our manager at the time was actually German. And so he was pulling in players from Germany or all. He was finding, they did a great job of finding players who could uh, have some type of American ties. So then we were kind of this um, ragtag squad, if you will, of guys from all over the place, but that opened us up to watching uh, a national team of guys who played outside of the MLS, which now leads us to where we are, which is best of both worlds. We have American-born players who grew up in American systems, but now play in some of the top teams uh, on the top clubs around the world. Mm -hmm. So we have players who actually play Champions League soccer, which quick education is the greatest uh, sports tournament in the world. That's the top tier European uh, club tournament. We have guys that play regular minutes in the Champions League from Juventus, you know, all your favorite FIFA teams. We have guys, Barcelona, AC Milan. Like we have some some guys on star-studded teams that are very well known. So that's what makes this club u- or this team unique is that we have guys who are playing big minutes in big European leagues, um, kind of really for the first time coming all together. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Um, and so because of that, there's I do think there's this um, there's this perception among kind of the casual U.S. fan that this might be the best team that America's ever brought to the World Cup because it has the most players placed with top European clubs. And this was something that um, a couple uh, a couple other commentators I'd listened to a different podcast, I think it was the guys that do the athletic show, um, were talking about how that because there's so many U.S. players that are placed with European club teams, and that's not been something that's been the case before, that the perception is that these guys are so much better than anybody else the U.S. has had on a World Cup roster before. But what his point was is that it it's true and it's not in the sense that the pathway to getting into European clubs is more open and available globally than it ever has been before. So he's, you know, he pointed out that Japan mm-hmm. has multiple players that are in top European cup teams. And so his argument was somewhat that it's not so much that this team is necessarily that much better. It's just that the global landscape of the talent pool and how you can actually make it to those different clubs is so much more available that you're seeing these guys placed on these club teams where they wouldn't have had that option in the past. Is that a fair criticism of it? Or do you think that there maybe is some truth in that and there's some actual higher level talent than we've had before? What, what are your thoughts on that kind of like idea? That's a great idea. I think there's lots of truth to that. It is just even as soccer expands, it is easier to get, um, notice at a younger age. Also, let's give a shout out to these top European teams. Their academies are growing. So mm-hmm. now you have the presence of uh, European teams, specifically even some of the German teams um, in the Bundesliga have a very heavy academy presence in uh, America right now as well. So I would kind of say both. And I do think our talent pool is the best it's ever been. And I also think that is a result of it's easier to get in these top clubs or when we say these top clubs, it's easier to get in their system than ever before. Sure. But just getting in their system doesn't guarantee anything. If, if anything, it actually just guarantees better development for these players, because I think that's been a criticism of the MLS system is even if you're in the MLS system, if you're in it, it's just not as it doesn't have the history and the depth and the, you know, the, the track record of developing top talent, the way these, European club cups do. So even just getting more players in their development systems is a positive for us. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Very similar to college football. Like why Alabama is Alabama is yes, they get the best players, but they also have the best facilities, the best training staff. There's so much more that goes into it um, as well. Great. So we've taken that damp blanket of, is this team actually, we've thrown it off. We said, forget that. No one cares. We want to be excited about this team that is the youngest and most promising U.S. men's team that we've ever had to look at. Um, so where Berlin, where do you where, are you, where the, are you at? Go ahead, Jens. So based off of like the the talent in there being young and the best it's ever been, we're all excited. Have they played well together leading up to this in their international friendlies and qualifying for the World Cup? Like we're excited about the individual players, but like can they have they played together a lot? Have they played well? No. They have played <laughs> they have played together uh, a lot. Some of them, specifically our midfield trio of Tyler Adams, um, McKenney, and Munsa, 
They've been playing together quite a bit. Uh, Tyler Adams and Brennan Arison, which is a name that you'll hear uh, a lot about. He's one of our hot players right now. Um, they play on the same EPL team. They play for Leeds United. So they they have played together, but no, we have not been playing well. Um, our qualifying matches leading up to the World Cup, we have not looked good in um, by any means. Even we actually, if we're being honest, even underperformed in qualifiers. Uh, mm. We probably should have did a lot better than we did. So, yes, there is a lot of excitement. And I think that's because of, again, going back to our previous conversations, the excitement is the players we have and the teams that they're on more than how we functioned as a team. Okay. What what do you so what goes into that? Like, let's take a quick like a half step back from like the U.S. specific. Like, when a team that is on paper talented and they aren't, and you aren't getting results from that, what do you what are you when you're watching those games when you're lo- looking at those clubs? Like, what are you seeing? What are you noticing when teams are underperforming like that? Is it is it as come down to as just is it chemistry? Is it guys just not executing? Is it the way that they're being deployed? Like, what are you looking for when you see a team performing below what their talent level should be getting you result-wise? System and how they're playing within the system. Greg Berhalter, our manager coach, is one of the very, um, it's very rare to have an international manager be a system mindset or system um, kind of married to a system like Greg Berhalter is. So a lot of international managers, they'll kind of look at their player pool and then they will create a system, a formation, a style of play based off of that. We're kind of the opposite. Greg Berhalter has a system and then we take our players and fit it into it. Very similar to if you were cooking dinner and you were going, you're like, I'm going to make this spaghetti. And no matter what ingredients I have in my refrigerator, I'm going to make a spaghetti versus Mm -hmm. kind of going into the refrigerator and saying, oh, I do have some tomato sauce, I got some noodles, I got some ground beef, I guess I can make a spaghetti. Um, he's kind of more set on this is what it's going to look like. And I think like, that I that's only have a butternut squash, issues. but damn it, it's going to be some squash spaghetti and it's going to be yeah. great. I may only have turkey, but we're going to have burgers. So how so does then, that, let me go into the weeds a little bit more on that. How does that play out on the field? Because I, as a non like soccer, like enthusiast, like, very casually, I have a hard time understanding how a manager can like restrict the potential of his players once they're out on the pitch. Got that right. Um, so it's like, cause I kind of see once they're out there, you would just think that the talent would just kind of take over. How does the system inhibit or in theory amplify players? Like, is it just the way that they're positioned or does he, does the manager have that much control on when he wants them to attack or how he wants them to attack? Or if you, if you can try and do like a couple minute, like in the weeds on how a strategy can help or hurt a team, um, explain that a little bit, because I just have a hard time like conceptualizing how exactly like a bad, like on a sport that feels so free flowing, like soccer, how does a strategy like system hold a player back or help a player? Does that make yeah, sense? So, yeah, so there's a couple kind of basics when it comes to a strategy or system. A couple of things you're looking at is how high the pressing's happening. So when you are on defense, when your team is on defense, you don't have possession of the ball, how high up are your forwards and your midfielders applying pressure? When you do have the ball, how quick are you countering? Is you Are you a quick-to-counter team? 
Are you a slow to counter team? Specifically with Greg Berhalter, he loves for our attack to start from the back. So when I say even it's kind of a struggle fitting into the system at times is we don't necessarily have center backs that are phenomenal with the ball at their feet. But Mm -hmm. Greg Berhalter wants to start at the back so that everything is in front of our attack. So we kind of make, we possess for a long ball. So Greg Berhalter Mm -hmm. wants the ball for a little bit to have everyone in front of us to move forward. So it's not a counter to where we're just sending guys and we're trying to catch the defense. We, we will allow the defense to set up, have everything in front of us, and then play from there. So you were, you were talking earlier, and then I think after this, this question, we, we said we want to get the people pumped, and we've been talking about how this team hasn't played well on all this talent. But we're, one we're, final get, question. We're, getting the, we're getting the speed bumps out of the way, right. so then we just, we just hit the gas. Yeah. So you were talking about uh, Greg's a system guy and a lot of international teams who the international teams we're playing against have had a lot more international success when it comes to World Cup. The, you know, I Concafka, Concacaf, there it is. Concacaf. There it is. Uh, and and the Euro League and things like that. So why is he trying to zag? Seemingly, like wh- why is there maybe not this looking at what all these other clubs are doing and and trying to replicate it in the way of making a system that's built around the ingredients that are in your fridge. That's a great question, and I think we <laughs> can get Greg on the next podcast. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get content on that. We're, we're yep. gonna start reaching out. Um, ne- nephew Kyle, can you get Greg on the phone? <laughs> Love. We, we definitely need a nephew Kyle in our lives. That's, that's for sure. incredible. Okay. Um, so then transitioning a little bit, um, whether you want kind of want to talk about players or just like overall scope, uh, what does the U S men's national team, you know, in your eyes do best? Like when you're watching them play going forward, like, what are you excited about? Is it specific players? Is it in regards to like, um, you know, different sections of the field, whether it's midfield or they're, you know, in the backfield, like whatever it may be, like, what are you kind of looking for right now to see that? Like, you know, maybe not this world cup, we're not winning at all. I mean, you know, Cinderella story, we're all crossing our fingers, but as we are kind of progressing and building, like, what are you looking for? Uh, I'm looking to see one, how we create. Hmm. That's kind of always been uh, one of the, the knocks on just U.S. men's soccer as a whole is our inability to create. Right now, we have some players who are very creative and very exciting. One player to watch, obviously, the name we all know is Christian Pulisic. He's very, very good at starting on the wing and then creating by uh, making interior runs, interior dribbles, coming onto the inside and making things happen. Gio Reyna is also a guy who will hopefully, uh, if the starting 11 turns out to what I want it to be, will be on the right-hand side, another guy who's very creative with the ball at his feet. But just as a team, are we making runs that the defense doesn't expect us to make? So our creativity, uh, even our shot creation, what we're doing, when the defenses kind of stay in front of us, are we going to be able to be smart enough and creative enough to still figure out how to get a shot? And then really just how we control the midfield. That's where these teams really stand out from each other. Some of these top teams is they have amazing midfield play. You look at some of the most awesome soccer players in the world. Specifically, you look at the Champions League. The teams that do the best are not just the teams that can score or even defend, but it's those teams that can control the midfield and have awesome guys that can go from defending to attacking 
good passers, good on the ball, good off the ball. So that's what I'm looking for, how we create our creativity and then also uh, how well we control uh, the midfield, really wanting to make sure we don't get dominated in the midfield. Interesting. So would you say that in terms of the overall skills of the team, would we, do we have a more defensive minded team? Are we um, like, we've got a couple creators. What would you say like on that scale? Are we fairly balanced as a team? How does, how does the U S tend to win games? Uh, dirty conserve. We play conservative. <laughs> we, we try our best we, not to get gritty. scored on. Gritty. Gritty. Mucking it yep. up. Okay. Yep. Uh, specifically in qualifying, I feel like we've scored so much off of corners, um, kind of dirty second chance set pieces, things like that. Also, uh, we do have guys that can counter. That isn't our main attacking style. But we do have guys that can counter and score. Kind of our identity as a team, I would say, is just gritty. Like we're going to stay in it no matter who we play. We're going we're gonna to give them hell. Love that. So I have a couple like position areas I'd like to ask you about, but maybe we should talk a little bit about the names on this roster. We've, we're, we're 21 in, 21 in, we've talked just ambiguously about this young, exciting team. Let's talk about these players a little bit yeah. and who we're really excited about. So like you said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start with the names that I have, and then I'm going to see how many more Jensen can take from below me here and then let you fill it in from there. So right. obviously the name of the top is Kristen Pulisic. Pulisic. Does he go sitch or sick? Which one is it? I've said it both ways. I say it wrong all the time. I'm not, I'm, I'm not our so source Pulisic. of truth it's here. Fine. We're American. <laughs> Christian Pulisic. He's the big name. He's the, I'd say he's the biggest name because he was, he was kind of the young up and come up and comer in that last cycle. And then he had, he got what really kind of elevated him is he was paid the most amount of money an American players ever been paid in his transfer fee from uh was it Dortmund in the Bundesliga to Chelsea. Uh so that is really what kind of made him the face of American soccer is that one of the things that made him the face of American soccer. He's a very good player, but that that transfer fee that he garnered going from that team to that other team was a big name. So Pulisic, he's a winger, so he doesn't typically play like the center. Uh he plays out on the wing, but he's a goal scorer. Like you said, he's not he's not a really big guy but he's pretty quick uh, and he he's got a knack for putting the foot on the ball and, and, and putting it in the goal. He loves um, putting the foot on the ball. Foot That's on one the ball. thing we know about Christian. I'd say the next tier of names for me, and you might even tell me, I'd love to hear if you actually think that one of these players has a chance to usurp Pulisic as the face of us soccer in this, in this cycle. Um, that's that Gio Reyna, uh, Weston McKinney, um, Josh Sargent, I I don't know how he's been doing. I know he was a he was kind of like a flash in the pan uh, at, in the lead up, but I'd be curious to hear how you're feeling about him. Sargent's in there. Um, we have that feels like the top line of U.S. players to me is that McKinney, Sargent, Reyna, um, and Pulisic. Tell me, tell me, or Jensen, maybe you can now take in. What's that next tier of U.S. players, or is there somebody I'm forgetting that's obvious? That's kind of been making waves the the one that's obvious oh and john uh, adams john adams i think is a tyler john adams tyler adams, john adams, john adams founding father different guy. <laughs> equally it was important to america's success <laughs> in the global stage but not john adams the, tyler the only adams. the only other guy well i would say two guys i don't even know if they're in the same tier i'm going to defer to to bray on this is uh aronson you know Braylon mentioned earlier plays for the leads 
uh, in the EPL. And then Dest and and Dest Braylon, as far as I understand, he's kind of fallen off. He was on Barcelona. He got he got was on now on loan with AC Milan. So still playing for a top team, but it's in uh, Serie A, and so it's maybe not as competitive as and competitive as a league of of La Liga where he was playing on Barcelona. So I think those are only two other names. I don't know that Sargent is in that top tier, to be honest. Like if I were to put money on it, I would say he's in the tier below with the guys that you said. Uh, and Arison actually, or Aaron Sim would replace him up there. But Redhead's um, always just look intimidating on the field though. Like <laughs> you see a redhead flying around. You just know they're ready to just muck it up. Yeah, yeah. On on the field and in life, I'm usually intimidated by redheads. <laughs> So right, let's talk about that. Talk about let's talk about that group of players that we talk. And if there's somebody that we you you feel like we've missed as kind of like that group A, group B of U.S. players, and just kind of talk us through where they're at in their career development. The exciting thing for me is that like they're all so young. None of the, I don't feel like any of them are finished products. Like you said, like I don't know if any of those guys we just mentioned are over 23, 24 years old which is in an athlete's career arc is still on the upswing. So I think there's still a lot of development for those guys. Tell us where you see that group of players. Who do you think maybe projects to potentially be the best of that group? Maybe who's struggling and maybe somebody that should be added to that. Uh, yeah. One name you guys forgot to mention is Yunus Musa. Uh, he plays in La Liga. Um, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal midfielder. And he will most likely start uh, in the middle with Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney. So you guys said all the names that I think this World Cup, how we do, is going to rise and fall with those names. That's the core of our team. That's kind of the young guys who came in to save the day after 2017. And those are even the familiar names that you've seen um, as really mainstays on Berhalter's roster. Those have been like, as we go as American soccer is as those names that you said uh, progress. Who could uh, ascend or go above Christian is Gio Reyna. He is phenomenal. Now, it's funny that he could possibly be our best player. I think maybe he is our best player. And again, talking about being married to systems, um, may not even start. We could oh, see wow. Tim, we could see Tim Ream, which is a, a or sorry, Tim Weah. Um, what position does uh, Reyna start? Or play is he right wing? What is he? Yeah, for um, for his club team, he usually plays attacking midfield. But he's he's beautiful for modern soccer because he's very fluid. So he's very similar to a Messi. And now I know that's a crazy comparison, but Messi. I love very it. Fluid. I'm in already. I just bought his jersey. Well, he, let's not bring up you know bring up Chris Paul for bringing up Giorena. <laughs> How, no. how can we not? Brandon, no, I need you to move right past that. I need you to no, move we right can't. past We'll fix that later. He's very fluid in the sense of Messi will play on a wing, but if you watch, like, let's say a PSG game, at any time you could pause the game and Messi could be anywhere because he reads the field Thanks. so well. He's mm. so fluid. He's so dynamic. Gio Reyna is very, very similar to that. He feels the game. He moves around. He's kind of all over the place. He's extremely creative on and off the ball. Um, as well. So those are the names you said. Again, uh, Musa, I would put in there. And then uh, Timothy Weah uh, is another young okay, striker yeah. winger. Yeah, that, Weah. Will we allow Reyna to be creative? Like if he is this kind of like smooth player, like we, you know, earlier we we're talking about system, 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 like will Greg provide 
players that opportunity to maybe work outside the system. And again, I don't know how international soccer works. So like do others, you know, teams allow a Messi? I mean, maybe he's a bad example, but other really high level level players to work outside of the system. Yes. The Jen- good Jensen's hot take. Messi is a system player. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, I do. Can I tell you my biggest fear with, yeah. with this Please. team? Yeah. My biggest fear with this team, again, the goal of this podcast is to get you excited and I'm talking about fear. Oh, no, wait, let's, let's, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to pause you. Okay. Let's not go to biggest fear yet. Let's not go to biggest fear yet. I have a couple more questions as we go down the roster, uh, go kind of breaking down the rest of the roster. We talked about the, right. the midfield a little bit. I want to, I want to talk about two positions that I feel like are kind of question marks. And I'd love for you to expound on a little bit. And maybe you were getting to this with your, with your, turn back down but and if you are that's fine and we'll we'll go there but i want to talk about the position of striker and the position of goalie yeah so big uh, surprises from my understanding let's we'll do goalie second from my understanding the u.s the u.s doesn't have what anybody would classify as a traditional striker and my question again as the resident idiot uh in many areas of life is that a system problem or is that is a true striker such a specific skill set that we just don't have it? Why doesn't the U.S. have a striker? What is that? What does that mean to me? That doesn't really mean anything. I go like, well, why don't they just move Pulisic over? He's the best goal scorer. Why don't they move Rain into that position? He's like, what is so unique about that position that nobody, everybody says the U.S. doesn't have it? And is that a system thing? Is that a player thing? What is that? What is going on there? Uh, we do not have a true, in soccer terms, a number nine, uh, a striker. That is not a system thing. That's just a player pool thing. We don't have one currently. We haven't had one um, in a while. And just like in all sports, positions matter. And specifically your skill set to that position matters. Um, It's why we love Luka Doncic is because he's uh, a big guy that doesn't look like a point guard that can do point guard things. Or Jokic. Let's use him for an example. And that's what makes him so rare and awesome. And not to do other sports analogies here, but Jokic, it's like he can do point guard things and not in a point guard body. Pulisic is a very traditional winger, even though he can goal score. That's also what a winger does. But I think if we were to play Pulisic in at the number nine spot, at that striker spot, he would look lost. Um, so we just don't – we don't have – a true number nine. And that's even a lot of the drama around this roster. Again, we said the names that everyone knows. We all knew that those names were going to be on the roster, but there was a couple spots, keeper and striker that we were like, let's see what happens here. Um, And so I think when it comes to who's going to start, who's going to play, uh, I think we're going to see Jesus Ferreira, Fiera, uh, who plays in the MLS. Uh, He's kind of Ben Berhalter's, number nine or striker pick these last couple of games. Berholter really likes him. Um, but when it comes to, again, the picking of the roster, there was one surprise move. There was actually two. One of them was at striker when we selected Haji Wright to be on the team over Ricardo Pepe, who's a young stud who looks the most like a traditional star striker we've had in a long time. So we finally had one blossoming, and then we left him out of the World Cup roster. Hmm. What what is what makes a good striker? What do you like? What is that skill set that makes a good striker, in your opinion? Other than Jensen, I've always thought of Jensen as a real traditional striker. 
But since he hasn't, he, I look he like Zlatan. Look, <laughs> talk, that, talk to me about like what 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 do you want out of that position? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, the best strikers are the ones that know how to play lanes and alleys very well. Mm. You know, when you're watching a soccer game, and traditionally there's four defenders in the back. In in the back. You want a striker who can know how to make the runs between those two. You want a striker to know kind of where to be between the two to even spread out a team's center backs. You want a, a striker to be able to react very quickly and have a really good field sense awareness of where he's at and how to play those lanes. And of course, like always, you want a striker to be able to score. So it's less about like tr- like the ball skills and the ability to score. It's more about the ability to feel space and how to see that space and create that space. Yes. Interesting. I've never thought about it that way. That, that, that does help clarify. It's almost like it's a, it's a mental thing. It's kind of like that ability to kind of like you were talking about Jokic to see the play developing before it's there and yep. be able to move into that space that moves the players one direction so that it opens up something else. That's that, that does make the, sense. That's interesting. The best example of that is Kareem Benzema. He plays for Real Madrid. He's going to be probably uh, the starting striker for France. He is not the fastest of guys. There are strikers much faster. He is not the most incredible athlete. He's probably not even the best, um, like with his foot outside the box. He's not the best header, the best striker in the air. But he is the best striker in the world right now because his ability to know the field, to know spacing, to know where to be, how to even create chances for himself. Um, So that's even kind of what I look for in a true number nine, if you will. That's great. Very interesting. Awesome. Does I mean I I can think of strikers on a very high level, you know, like like Zlatan and Ronaldo, and they're tall. Does that matter as much? Or is it just more about space? Like because Jesus is not tall at all, and he's that's where Greg has kind of been using him in the number nine spot. Uh, I don't think it matters with height. Great. Some of the great striker, even like Kylian Mbappe. Uh, is not very tall, and he's a phenomenal striker. You look at some strikers of, of the old Thierry Henry uh, was not a yep. massive guy by any means. Great. Well, well, we'll end this podcast on a high note. I do want to go back because you know it was a fantastic little teaser. We, you said your greatest fear, and you were very excited to share, and then we pivoted. Um, and, and maybe we can go back. We didn't really kind of talk about goalie, so maybe we're going to push this off again, but I mean, let's go ahead Jensen, and just. Jensen wants to know about your. I your do. Fears, I'm Brandon. very interested because because I, I think Bray's a great soccer brain. What is your biggest fear? Well, let's talk goalie quick. Okay, great. Let's do it. Zachary Steffen, who has been the next, he was crowned as the next Tim Howard. Tim Howard was a longstanding goalkeeper for uh, American one of soccer. Jesse's favorites. He, well, he was also one of the first guys to act like truly establish himself in English soccer. Back when American yes. players were not in English soccer, he was he was uh, he played with team. Everton for Everton, for a very right. long time, a long time. So that so, was kind of like the point of pride for American soccer. Is like, man, we might suck in a lot of places, but damn it, we've got an EPL goalkeeper. So <laughs> take that, world. This is true. And then comes Stefan, who played for Manchester City, who's one of the top teams in the world. Played in some big games, and we kind of thought he was the second coming. Um, well. He kind of fell off last year, got put on loan to a lesser club uh, to the point that he didn't even actually make uh, the 26-man roster um, this wow. year. So 
How which many goals did the team take? Three. Three. Okay. Well, so they took three and didn't take this guy as, as, as in any of those positions. Yes, which was wow. very shocking to to a lot of people, to kind of the diehard USMNT lovers. Um, there wasn't that much of a surprise because he's been on a downtick. But okay. as Stefan was going down, there was another man rising. And this man is Matt Turner, who played in the MLS and then just got signed by uh, your friend Cody's favorite team, Arsenal. And he has now turned into the goalkeeper of our dreams. He's playing fantastic in the EPL. So there was some drama there as far as a shocking name that was left off. But with that, we do have a, a keeper that I think is going to do a really good job. Now, he's not as good as uh, with his feet as Stefan or maybe some keepers of the past, um, but he is uh, very, very good when it comes to reactionary saves and playing with his hands. Love it. I'm in. I'm in on Matt Turner. Just looked him up. Looks great. Looks like a great guy. I could get a Looks drink with Matt. Like I love Matt. Yeah. Love, love the mitts. Good hands. Mm-hmm. Um, now do you want my biggest fear? That, I now, feel like let, we put it off long I think, enough. I think we're ready. Yeah. Break my, our hearts. My biggest fear with this team is that we are going to do what I want to call right now. We're going to do forced hero syndrome. Mm. Specifically, I am a Seattle Seahawks fan. There's a Super Bowl that we lost against the Patriots where we could have handed off the ball on the one-yard line to our running back, Marshawn Lynch, but we decided to throw the ball, I believe, because we wanted our quarterback to be the hero. That led us to an interception where we lost the game. My fear is that we want Christian Pulisic to be the hero of this World Cup, and we force Mm. everything through him, not allowing Gio Reyna, Aronson, uh, Weston McKenney, these names that are also very good creators on the ball, guys, that they're not going to get their opportunity to fully shine because we're just going to play through Pulisic. And I think defenses will shift to that and really be prepared for us to do that exact thing. Also, if we play hero ball, he will do sometimes what what Ronaldo will do, meaning he will kind of shift to go. He takes shirt off all the time. Yeah, takes his shirt off, has lots of children via surrogates, and is married to a Portuguese model. <laughs> um, but what he will do is he will kind of – Ronaldo will screw up a whole formation because Ronaldo will just stay up front waiting for his opportunity. Pulisic has the tendencies, especially when it's when we really need a goal, for him to stop getting back on defense and kind of just stay up front and really shift what our entire formation looks like. So I'm curious to see how much he buys into uh, kind of staying one with the team as far as the flow of play goes. Uh, and then I'm also really curious to see if we let uh, a more natural attacking style happen or if everything we do is going to be coming from the left. Interesting. Okay. Hero syndrome. That's my, that's my biggest fear. That's, yeah. You know what, I'm going to be that, honest. I, I, was, I was bracing for worse. I, I'm, I, I feel like... I thought you were about about to say like we have no back line. People are just going to score ten goals a game on us, you know. But maybe well, we that's have the a, next comment. No, we have. I think our back line now. Here's what all of the USM uh, US men's national team fans want us to do. They want to see Tim Ream start at center back. Tim Ream has been playing fantastic for Fulham, uh, and there's another player. Um, 
Uh, Robinson on our team, who will most likely be our left back. They both play for Fulham. Fulham is a team that in the EPL, no one thought they were going to do good. They have one of the best defenses uh, in all of English Premier League right now, specifically because of those two guys. They are both Americans, and if they both start, they should be playing next to each other and carrying over that success. Love that. All right, I've got a couple more questions for you, like some kind of quick hitters. Uh, before then, I want you to do like a quick breakdown of game one against Wales. Um, I just, because I think, because I know this is how I'm going to consume the game. I'm going to be watching the names I know. So I want you to go, let's say, would you say top three U.S. players is Reyna, Pulisic, McKinney? Or who would you, or who would be your top three? Uh, specifically for who you should be watching is we should watch how deep Jesus Ferreira, our striker, plays. Is he going to play more of like an attacking midfield type of striker role, or is he going to be pressing the front line? You should be watching Pulisic, seeing how much he comes in uh, or how much he stays outside. And then I would recommend that you watch um, Tyler Adams and see how much he has to help the back four or if he can actually uh, go in and get into attacking play. Okay, interesting. Uh, What's the biggest strength and biggest weakness of Christian Pulisic? Um, biggest strength is his ability to create right outside of the box. His biggest weakness is if his, uh, creativity is being stopped, he will force it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, he's a pretty good on ball creator. I mean, especially coming from that left side, really? like he gets yeah. right outside. I mean, he can, he can go left, he can go right. But to your point, sometimes he doesn't look to make that pass. Like he, he kind of has head down tunnel vision and it's great that you're looking to score the ball, but you know, these other players surrounding him, like a McKinney and arena, they're just as skillful kind of putting the ball in the back of the net or at that level. Um, so I've noticed that as I've watched Chelsea as well, that he can kind of put his head down. It's kind of like when you're dribbling a basketball, you don't keep your head up. He does that when he's on ball with his foot outside the box. You know the way Jensen plays basketball. It is <laughs> head down. When my head's like, down, bodies, bodies be damned. He is going to the basket. My, and he's going to put something up. 160 pounds just barreling into the lane, trying bouncing to make, around trying and to make throwing something up, happen. Hoping for something. Uh, before we go to the game prediction, can you talk to me a little bit about Weston McKinney? Um, or talk to us a little bit about Weston McKinney. Because he's a name I hear a lot, but I don't feel like I fully understand his position and what makes him a standout player for this team. He's a true central midfielder. Uh, He is what we like to call a box to box guy. So he's just as good defending our box as he is attacking in their box. He's a full kind of sideline to sideline player. If you will, Weston McKinney is, he's also a firecracker. Watch if there's, as you watch the game tomorrow, Monday or, or anytime if you watch the world cup, Um, He loves them. Yes, loves them. Uh, If you watch and there's any scuffle or if there's a hard tackle on any American player, guess who's going to be running over in the first one in their face? McKinney is in there. If there's any time that the team needs motivation. Those Italians like to get in your face. Yeah, he was doing that long before he was in Italy. Um, (laughs) But if if, if there's any like... You know, if they're lacking emotion or passion, McKenney is going to, on a free kick, he's getting everyone fired up. He is like the kind of spark plug 
um, badass on the team, if you will. Mm. I love a badass. Mm. All right, well, let's shift to this first game we got coming up. I know we're going to be talking about this team a lot over the next couple of weeks. And our, uh, how many weeks is the World Cup into? Is it four, is it a month? Is it a little over a month? Front start to finish. Uh, I, I believe the World Cup final is December eighteenth. Okay, yeah. So just for about a month on the, on the month to it. So this first game, we are uh, U.S. is in Group B. First game is against Wales, another top twenty team. Um, what what do you how are you feeling going into this game one? What are you watching for? What does Wales do well? Who are their kind of key players? What's going to be that style looking like? Well, how are we feeling about game one? I'm, I'm very excited to see one, how um, much we press the attack. When we lose the ball, are we going to try to get it back or are we going to let the game come to us? Wales is, um, they're, they're a good team in the sense of they're a very European team, meaning they're going to hold possession they're going to be strong on defense. Like you're not going to catch them off guard. We can't expect Wales to make any mistakes. Some names to watch: uh, Gareth Bale, as we probably uh, all know. If you followed soccer to any degree, you probably know the name Gareth Bale. Luckily for us, is <laughs> luckily for us, is he? Yeah, he's huge. He he's obsessed with it. He literally said that if he could, he would like leave playing soccer professionally and just play golf. That was like a big thing in Real Madrid is that they like were frustrated partly because his like dedication and commitment. He loves playing golf. Suddenly a big wow. Gareth Bale guy. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, luckily for us as American soccer fans, Gareth Bale is on the back end of his career and he's not what he <laughs> right. once was. Um, so we don't have to worry about the superstarness of, of Gareth Bale. Uh, but Aaron Ramsey is also uh, one of their midfielders who's very good, has played for Arsenal, played for Juventus. Um, and when I say some of the best international teams in the world or just best soccer teams in the world, they control the midfield. Aaron Ramsey is a guy who's been doing that for a very long time and is very good at controlling the midfield, winning on ball tackles, holding the ball, keeping possession. You win or lose the game in the midfield. Because if you lose the ball uh, in the midfield, that's going to lead to obviously quick counters. Um, and obviously that's also where a lot of the battles and possession exchange happens. So the midfield is very important. So I'm watching how we do in the midfield. I'm watching how quick we are to attack. Um, and then specifically, I'm hoping that Gareth Bale looks his age. Um, Wills hasn't made it to the World Cup and qualified since 1958. I didn't realize that. I kind of assumed they're more, they're less experienced than us. Plays in our favor, maybe? Uh, with the World Cup, they're less experienced. They also have guys that play for, for big clubs. And okay. that's what I'm excited to see as well, is that is Wales going to come up just fired up that they're finally there? Right. And are they right. thinking that they're going to be the Cinderella team that we're all hoping to be? Totally. Yeah, okay. I was kind of hoping they'd be a little more complacent, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but they've been here a while. Um, maybe we do score predictions across the board going into game one to, to kind of wrap it up. Brady, you have a feel for this? Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 USA. Ooh. 2-1. I'm, I'm, I'm even going to give you my goal scores. Okay. This is great. We'll write it down. And I'm going to say – that for uh, the U.S., I'm going to predict we fall down early, 1-0 probably in the first 20 minutes, right? We're young. We're going to be antsy, fired up out there. 
we might give up a dumb goal. And then I think the second half is ours, starting off with Weston McKenney scoring. And then I'm going to go with um, Timothy Weah as well, getting the second goal to get our winner. Yeah, what, what position is Weah? He's like a right-wing striker. Right, okay, gotcha. All right, Jesse, or you want to go me? Uh, I'm going to go um, – I had 2-0 on my head. And I'll go chalk – and I'll say Polisic scores to not to start us off, but we'll say to end it. But then beforehand, uh, I'll actually match Bray. I'll go Weston McKinney uh, is the first goal scorer for the USA in the 2022 World Cup. Oh, and odds to get McKinney is the first goal scorer for apparent, USA. Apparently. We can take a look at those odds. Yeah. FanDuel. Sponsored. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. Justin. Okay. So you got win-win. Man, huh, look. Let, this can be the Homer pod. That's fine. I don't know. I kind of, for some for some reason I've got a draw in my head, which mm. but nobody that's not fun. Like I'm, I was kind of thinking two two draw. That's boring. Let's get let's get crazy. Let's go three one USA. Wow. I love I love some goal scoring. Um, I I I'm not gonna predict the shutout. Um, I know after everything we just said, not a team filled with creators and not a system that lends itself to tons of scoring, but let a, a man can dream and I'm going to dream a three, one win. Um, predicting the goals. Let's give Pulisic one. Let's give Reina one. And then let's give, um, who, let's see, who would be with someone more interesting. Uh, Your guy Josh Sargent can come off the bench. Let's and go, get one. my boy Sargent. Second half sub. Sargent comes in with the with the redheaded fireball to put it up. A decisive three one. We need. We're. I think we're going to need some goal scorer um, differential help. Maybe somewhere down in in that group. So let's get ahead early um, and go with a three one win for USA. Um, how? So as we're talking about the predictions, how far do you think this US team? goes in this in this world cup what's your prediction is distance covered i think that the the u.s men's team will be will we will make it out of um we're getting out of the group stage all right we like you we're, getting out, Cody of, we're, we're getting out of the group stage for I said sure. historically i was way off too but yeah we're getting out of the group stage i think we're going to be the second team out of the group stage which would then put us in the round of 16 with the winner of group A. Okay. And I th- and I think that's as far as we go. Okay. We go like, we go round who's the, who's sure the group up A winner to, to keep going. Yeah, group group A that's usually I I are the uh the letters of the group indicative of their actual ranking or it's just random. Like it's, uh, it's just, just random. Yeah, okay, okay. I wasn't sure like Group A was the best team because yeah, I think the or had saw, the best. Team. I saw somebody say that potentially the best group out there is Group G. Maybe it's um they've got Brazil, they've got uh, I forget who else they have. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to be trying to sound like I know something I don't. I'm just going to be taking someone else's opinion that may or may not be right. <laughs> um, group Brazil, Brazil, Sir, or Group G is Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. I don't know anything about those other teams, but Brazil's supposed to be really good. Yeah, um, Brazil is very good. Now okay. here, here's what could happen. Okay, I'm going to paint our dream Let's scenario. Paint, paint the picture. 
our, our dream scenario is if we make it out of the group, I'm almost going to guarantee you that England will win our group. Our group is Wales, Iran, England, U.S. We make it out as the second team in our group. And then in group A, for some reason, the Netherlands doesn't win group A. And they're the second team to come out of the group. And let's say the surprise team would probably be Senegal. And then we play Senegal in the knockout stage. I believe we could beat Senegal uh, and then go to the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals. I love it. I that's my my optimist says like it would be awesome if the U.S. could get to the quarters, but I think you've at this stage of the team you've got to think just getting out of group play has got to be considered somewhat of a success. If we make it out of the group play, I would say this is a successful World Cup, and I would be proud to be a U.S. MNT supporter. I'm excited, boys. Jensen, do you have your? Did you give your prediction on the last pod for? Um, I don't think you gave your prediction for a World Cup winner or how far you think the U.S. is going to go. Where? How, how are you feeling? Um, I think that the U.S. men's national team are going to make it out of the group stage, not any further. Um, which I think that's pretty chalk across the board. They're supposed to get out of the gr- group stage. They're supposed to be better than Iran. Supposed to be better than better than Wales. Not it's not a pushover group by any no. by any stretch. It's I think it's the only group where all of the four of the teams are in the top twenty. Okay, sure. Um, I still think I mean they are by rankings the second best team in their group. So you know sure. going chalk there, I just don't think it's going to get beyond that. Um, and in regards to predictions, um. I don't actually necessarily know the pathway in, in regards to if I were to make a prediction, if it would be uh, right or wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll say Argentina and France for right now. Those are just the two teams that I think could make it. But, Braid, are pathways decided after group stage? I mean, I, I know they are, but it's beforehand. Do you know if Argentina and France can play each other in the final? Right now. D. It looks like if it if it just gets seeded like you were saying where it's like A versus B, C versus D, then I think France and uh Argentina would match up before the final. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's I'm just gonna tell you straight up. I don't I don't I couldn't make a prediction because I don't oh, know the so pathway. Who do you think so then you gotta pick a team? You haven't you still haven't made a prediction. Who's gonna win? Oh, I'm going Argentina. You're taking Argentina. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were saying you're gonna take Argentina over France if it could be that way, but yes, it can't. But it can't. But you're taking Argentina. Yep. Kind of takes a little luster out of my pick. I'm also going to be rooting for Argentina. I'm a messy guy. I love watching him play. I love the way he fights through tackles. I love the way he just how creative he is. And he's not by any stretch the biggest guy in the field. And he's just incredible. And, it also would end the greatest of all time. And it would and it would seal him as the greatest player ever. He's never won one. It's probably his last World Cup. You I agree with that, Bray? Story. We're not. Yes. We don't, okay, so that is that is factually correct. It would seal it. Correct. Cool. Love it. So I'm I'm rooting for Argentina. They've got a good enough squad where they could do it. So that's who I'm going to be pulling for once the U.S. team gets eliminated in, well, I don't know, probably the semifinals or something. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Bray, who, who's winning it all in your head? This is Brazil's World Cup to lose. Give me Brazil all day long. Okay. There you go. Love it. Uh, well, I think we should uh, leave it here for our – USMNT deep dive and game one preview. 
we will be checking back in with more World Cup stuff as this progresses. Um, Braylon, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing all your enthusiasm and knowledge on Thanks, the U.S. Everybody. players and the and the World Cup. Um, you got me excited. Um, I'm ready to to cheer for this team. It's it's such a fun thing where like. I like I'm going to be all in on every, every minute of it. It's just such a unique event. It's the best Jen's any parting thoughts uh, going into the first game here. No, I wish we all could get together and go to a watch party. Maybe in 2026. We'll, there we go. We need to make that happen. Maybe we can just go to a match in 2026 because it's going to be the USA, Canada, Mexico hosting it. So that's what we need to work on. Come on out. My stadium, the state, my stadium, the stadium's right down the hill. I got, I got a That's couch right. for there's going to be uh there's going to be matches. I think closest for me is going to be Atlanta, but you're going to have a match right out there in Seattle. So we'll have to work on that. Well, Braylon, uh, Braylon any, again. any party thoughts for us, Bray? Get excited. This is a young team and whatever we do this year, we're going to take two steps forward in 2026. That's going to be our year to compete, but this is still just a great world cup to watch your palate. If you're new to it, uh, and I'm excited to see what the boys do. They always represent our country well. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. Go USA. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will Thanks win. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll talk to you next time.